So welcome everyone. Um, this is the continuation of last of last night's class. Can the nature of time be timeless? Can the nature of space be spaceless? Will space ever be spaceless and will time ever be timeless? If we dig deep, deep enough into time and we dig deep enough into space and we uncover their godly essence, then time, the nature, not only can we experience beyond time, eternity and timelessness, but that time itself is timeless and space itself is spaceless. And that's what's going to be revealed in the third temple. That's going to be the summary of what we're going to learn tonight and what we started yesterday. And uh, now you can go to sleep because you heard already this year. For those of you who want to hang in there a little longer and explore this in a very deep, fundamental way, so um, hang in there. That's what we're going to be doing. Um, tonight's class needs the introduction of last night. I mean, you can listen to tonight, but I'm starting, I'm not reviewing, I'm going right into it. Um, so listen to the first part one of this that's on Facebook and on YouTube and hopefully we'll post it tomorrow on the website as well, myon.com. Um, tonight, share, let's continue the dedication. Let's continue dedicating this because this was supposed to be one share, it turned into two shares. So we're going to dedicate this year as, as a, from the dedication of last night, which was by the Leans family. And this is in honor of Shane DeLianz's father's yard site, which was today, Mayor Ziskind, Ben Ramosha, Mayor Neshama, have a great aliyah. Okay. Um, so I mentioned yesterday that um, even though the first temple could have been, would have been, the quality of the third temple is that it's going to be eternal. It's going to be a last forever. And that's what its true superiority is. The other two, is, that's why it's called a house, and it relates to Jacob, to Yaakov, who's eternal. But as we explained yesterday, even had the first temple, now the first temple could have also been eternal. It could have also lasted forever. And yet, it wasn't good enough. It needed to be destroyed. Intentionally, we stopped it Hashem stopped it. Hashem interfered in it being eternal. It's a strange thing. He interfered in the eternity of the first temple, destroyed it so that he can bring us the third temple, which his quality is, is eternity, which doesn't make any sense. If you don't destroy this one, this one will be eternal, and then you won't have to make the other one. That was the question we asked yesterday. So he said that the real quality of eternity regarding the temple and obviously regarding our relationship with God that the temple conveys um, is would not have been realized in the first base of Mikdash, meaning its eternal its eternity would have been a superficial eternity. It wouldn't be the real depth of an eternal eternal temple. So let's understand the significance of how that works, why that is. So we began to explain yesterday that the, that the Beis Amigdash was an interesting thing. It was a convergence of space and beyond space. It was a miracle that would happen in the Beis Amigdash. It indicated God's presence in the temple. The, the, the symbol, the, 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 the expression of Hashem being in the temple in its strongest 
place is that, you know, the rules of creation, the, world, the rules of physics is time and space. And um, everything in this world occupies space. But in the Holy of Holies, which is like the, te- the place of meeting where God actually resides, space was uplifted to beyond space. And the meaning of that was, there was an ark. The ark has its particular measurements. The measurements of the ark were uh, two and a half cubits was, was its length. One and a half cubits was its width. One and a half cubits was its height. Um, and two and a half cubits, let's say, is roughly about five feet. Um, the room itself um, in the temple was 20 by 20 cubits by by 20 cubits, I think. Uh, let's talk, I, 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 um, I'm having a, uh, a blank. So uh, let's discuss, the, the same, same miracle happened in the tabernacle as well. So there I can give you the exact measurements, and I'm recalling it right now. In the tabernacle, the room was 10 by 10, 10 cubits by 10 cubits. The only the, the size of the of the of the ark wasn't any different. The size of the ark was the same in the temple and in the and in the tabernacle in the Mishkan, as it was in the Beis Hamikdash. The size of the room, the Kodesh Hakodeshim, was different. I think it was twenty by twenty there, but for now, let's say, let's because I can't tell you that for certainty. Um, let's talk in the Beis Hamikdash in the Mishkan where it was ten by ten. When you put an item which is two and a half cubits in the middle of a room that's 10 by 10, you're cutting off two and a half cubits, which leaves you with just seven and a half cubits of space on the two sides. And you have to divide that in two. So seven and a half. That's, uh, that would be three and three quarters, and three and three quarters. If you would take the measurement and you would measure the room, you would have to, from the end of the urn to the wall, you would have three and three quarters the other side three and three quarters and that gives you seven and a half then the, the RN itself is two and a half that's your ten but re, in re, realistically it wasn't that way if you had simultaneous people measuring the arc and the arc and the you measured the whole room it was only ten you measured the arc it was two and a half you measured from the side of the arc to the wall it was five you measured from the side of the arc to the wall it was five this contradicted physics. Didn't make any sense. And it wasn't like, the, the interesting, the depth over here is not that there was no space. If there is no space, then, the, then, the, then the, why are we talking about 10 cubits, two and a half cubits? There was space, there had to be space. In other words, you had to work within, within the, it, 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 within the net. It, had, it was created within the zone of space. You can say that there are higher frequencies, higher stages of existence where space doesn't exist. Uh, but they were operating within space. Yet in space itself, it was not space. So space and not space converged. That was the miracle. And that was obviously an indication of God's presence. Um, now, the specialty of the Beis Amigdash um, is not only after they built the temple. Now, we can say that the reason how this miracle happened is because God is revealed. And when God is revealed, there are no rules. So opposites can converge. 
That would be the simple, transcendental answer that has no explanation and no reasoning and no, as we can't in any way conceive it other than say that God was revealed. But what we are going to learn today is something deeper than that, not that God is just revealed, but a, a, an idea that could give our minds an understanding of how this, uh, uh, how this miracle actually took place. What was really going on? What is the underlying element of this convergence of space and non-space? And that has to do with the idea that even before the temple was built, the space of the Beis Amigdosh was special. It's different than the rest of the world. Now the first thing we need to know is that when God created the world, and he created all of time and space. So the first, the beginning of creation, as the sages uh, mention, its first point where the world was created from is from the Evan Hashasiyah, and that is the foundation stone. And that's a stone that's on the Temple Mount. And that's where the Aron would sit on that stone. So that's like the nucleus of the world. The nucleus of, of the earth is that stone, and from there it expanded. So it's, it's the origins of the creation, and that's where physics start, in a sense, we can say. I mean, the, laws of, the laws of physics begin when God creates the world. He creates it from there. So this seems to be subject and part of creation. Yet we find that when, our, when Yaakov, our forefather Yaakov, um, came and spent a night and he slept on that mountaintop, Yaakov proclaims, he wakes up and he says, Man This place is so awesome. This is the house of God. So the, 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 the Midrash says, not the Midrash, the Targum, the translation of Chumash on the words, how awesome is this place, the Targum says, This is not a mundane place, or the actual translation. This is not the place of a simpleton. Hedyat means a simpleton. This is a royal place. That's the simple meaning. It's a royal place. Let's go a little deeper, according to the mystical understanding of it. When we say this is not a place, asar hediyat, this is not a, a, a place of a simpleton, what does that mean? Creation is called the space of a simpleton. In what sense? The Zohar says that when God created the world, God wasn't being sophisticated. God wasn't being royal. He wasn't being, um, he wasn't being um, aristocratic. Because if God would have been aristocratic, which means if he would have been expressing his nobility, his, uh, his uh, heightened, uh, more refined, elevated uh, uh, self, uh, he wouldn't speak such cheap words. Now, not to diminish, the act of creation is the most awesome act. God creates a world, and it's the most noble act. It's the most generous act. It's the most giving of act. It's God is sharing his space with a creation, with a world. That's awesome. But what we mean, the Zohar is trying to say, is that 
This is not the true greatness of God, is that he can create the planets, that he can create a universe or create many universes. For a true, infinite, in, truly infinite, omnipotent being, this is child's play. That's what it really means. This is small, small, it's cheap. It's not, it's not, it's not, it's not, you know, like, uh, if, I, if I show you the most, you know, sometimes I, I don't know what's coming to mind right now, but I used to do biking. I should get back on my bike. I need to get back on my bike. Everybody should do exercise. I'm going to get back on my bike. But Ezra Tashem. But in any case, now's a good time. The roads are empty. It's easy to go cycling. But I remember going to the bike shop. I'm looking and I have my bike, you know. It's a good, decent bike. Someone actually gave it to me. And it's a good bike. But I look and, you know, sometimes you see like, oh, $1,500, $3,000. Yeah, these bikes that are like $5,000. Who's going to spend $5,000 on a bicycle that someone can steal? God forbid, no one should steal. But, um, you know, okay, so you think, oh, rich man. So if I go visit someone very rich and I see his bicycle, I say, oh, wow, this guy's that. But if I'm, is this the true greatness of a rich, of, of someone who's truly, is truly right, you know? What's his name? Uh, Be 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 Bezos from, from Amazon. Like his greatness is that he has a bike that's $5,000. Child's play. For God to create a universe is child's play. It's insignificant. So the Zohar says the words that God spoke to create wasn't any sophisticated poetry on God's end in which he's really like putting it on his resume and showing off and saying, hey, if they can look at, look, at, look, at, look at my masterpiece. It was something of insignificant. It was something really small, cheap. And, and that is the ten utterances. Torah is not that way. Torah is Hashem's private stash. Torah is Hashem's true artistic talents. So Torah, that's why the Aseris Adibris, the words of the, of the Torah, is so much greater. That's why, you know, why is it that sages spent all their lives, what's with, you know, enjoy the world a little bit. They, 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 they wouldn't, in Yiddish you say, fargin themselves. They wouldn't allow themselves an indulgence of five minutes of something delightful because it would be taking away from Torah. Many people didn't travel anywhere because traveling would be bittel Torah. It was known. You hear stories at Sadiqim. They wouldn't go anywhere because traveling somewhere for whatever would be the... But, but, but there's so much to see. There's so much to know. There's so... Experiences. You'll learn. You'll do that also. The answer is for someone that truly appreciates creation and all that creation has to offer, the finest cruises, the best gourmet, the, 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 the experience of the beauty of exquisite scenery and beauty of all the places and magnificence of what we call Marabu Masecha Hashem, how exalted is your work God. Rambam, as we learned today, the Rambam speaks about how do you know God by looking at his creation. So, 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 so it's incredible. But that's cheap talk. That, that, that's not the true beauty of God. His true his true powers, his true nobility, his true richness, if you can say, of the divine, ah, that's expressed in Torah. So they wouldn't, it's, it's incomparable. And that's why, as a God gives us the opportunity to spend our entire life studying Torah, do nothing, and God recommends that. Even though we created such a beautiful world, why wouldn't he tell us, go out and enjoy the world? And it's not that we don't find psukim that and indications on the sages that you should do that. You should enjoy. You should partake. Actually, the sages say that um, this week in the parsha, we're talking about the parsha of vows. Taking a vow is not a good thing 
because you're refraining from worldly things. And, and if you don't have to do that in order to curb your, uh, your appetite, uh, because um, you feel that you're fully in control and you don't have an, a problem with addiction, then actually a person is supposed to partake with the world. It's not like, it's not, it's taboo, it's not taboo. Especially if you're not indulging in a way that's making you forget God, in a way that's, you're, you're appreciating God through all the experiences of life, which is a good thing. Yet, God doesn't recommend that. Why? Because he has something so much better for you to do. Right? You, can, you, can, you, can, you can visit his, his private quarters and see his true richness instead of being caught up in the externality. Anyways, this is all, like, this is all parenthetical, but the idea that, I'm, that we're bringing out now is the idea that um, the, the creation and all that creation has to offer is called milin dehedyaita, a, a, a words of a simpleton, and therefore, the, if the words, the creative words that God spoke, is not of God's artistic abilities, poetic powers, but it's just a cheap conversation, then the creation that was created as a result of that is also kind of on the ultimate scheme, like the slums, not the, not 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 the 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 the, the beauty, not not the magnificence. Ah, that's everywhere. But Yaakov Avinu came on that place and said, this is not, this belongs already to the palace. This is not a place of the simpleton. This is of a higher stature. But you've got to ask the question. The place of the Beis Amigdash Was also, cre- was also created with the ten utterances. It's part of space, time and space. The wor- As I said earlier, Hashem actually began the creation with, when he began creating, and, and he used the ten utterances for creation. So what are we saying now that the Mokam Amigdash, the place of Amigdash, is not part of that, is above it all? And the answer is, that um, in the ten utterances, when it's in Bereshis, when it mentions the ten utterances, it mentions God's name of Elohim. Bereshis bara Elohim. And then it continues to say 32 times, Vayomer Elohim. Keeps on saying, Vayomer Elohim. So it uses the name of Elohim in, in creation. When it comes, however, to... Oh, and we know the name of Elohim is the name of restraint. So anything that God is doing through the name of, of Elohim is restraining himself and limiting himself. And as we said before, it's not an expression of who he is. He's hiding in, in, in that. He's speaking cheap talk. He's not speaking like a king. He's not speaking like an aristocrat. And that's what creates the simple, the simple existence called creation because it comes from the name it comes from the ten utterances ten utterances are uttered by who? it's uttered by Hashem when he's playing the role so to speak of Elohim which is him lowering himself down beneath his true dignity oh but however on the place of the Beis Amigdash when Yaakov 
again, experienced, and he says, Manoira, how awesome is this place? He said, Manoira, what comes anything with him? What's the word over there? He says, he refers to the place. I don't know what to do. I'm a little tired. I'm sorry. I'm blanking. The words Yaakov Avinu uses. Oh, yeah, yeah. He says, Ochen yesh havaya Behold, havaya exists in this place. Havaya is Yud Kevavke, that's a tetragrammaton. That's the name of God where God is being open, open himself. He's expressing himself in his true exaltedness. And Yaakov says about the place, there is a revelation of Avaya. Ah, so since there's a revelation of Avaya, so it's not part of the Elohim existence. It's like one place within creation that is not dominated, so to speak, by Elohim, but by Havaya. The question over here, however, is, what does that mean? What does that mean, that over here there's a revelation of Avaya? What is the place itself? On the simple level we understand that what's the Beis HaMikdash? The Beis HaMikdash is a place where within a certain place God is revealing Himself. Time and space itself is created by what? By the name of Elohim. Creation is created by Elohim. Time and, and therefore time and space is created by Shem Elohim. By the name of Elohim. Included in that is the space of the Holy Temple. That too, Temple Mount and that stone and that area right over there, the, the holy place of the Holy of Holies, that too was created by Elohim. It's only that what? That, that's the place where Havai, where, where usually creation blocks God. It conceals. The name of Elohim is like a shield, a block, doesn't. Over here is where Hashem Havaya, the God on a higher level rested his Shekhinah and revealed himself over there. So in this place is what we call there is Giloi, there is a revelation of Shem Havaya, of Yud Kevavke. Oh, so it's not an ordinary place. But that's not what the Targum, what, what, the, what the Pasuk says. He's, Yaakov is attributing it to the space itself. And especially according to the Targum. The Targum says, Leis Dein Asar Hedyet. This is not a place of a simpleton. Not that this, that, that, that over here is God. That's not what he said. That's not what he's saying. That over here is Hashem. He's saying this place is a different kind of place. Which, which means it's connecting that the space itself is different. In one way is the space of the base on Migdash different. And, the, and, and, and especially since we're saying it's not a space of a hediot, which means the place itself is not deriving from the name of Elohim, which is the, sort of, is the source of the ten utterances which create hediot, which create this to be, as we said before, a simpleton's place, a non-royal place. If, it, if this is part of time and space, then it's time and space. It's made up from the name of Elohim. Good, you want to say that over here God is breaking through. God is present, fine. But what does it have to do with the space? 
So we have to say that no, that the space itself, it's not, because, it's not revelation of Havaya. The space itself is different. The, 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 um, the substance of the space is different. The, the chemistry, if you can say, the physics of the space is different. In what sense? If it too is created from the name of Elohim. The answer to that is, first briefly in a nutshell, and then with an, an elaboration. The answer is as follows. When we say creation is created through the name of Elohim, that's creation, the final product. That's creation as we experience creation. As we experience creation, God is projecting the creation to us through the name of Elohim. But that doesn't mean that there isn't a deeper state of existence. Simultaneously, we can say parallel universe. That means in the very same, this very same existence exists on a more, on a higher level of existence. And on that level of existence, God is creating the world not through the name of Elohim, He is creating the world through the name Havaya. Where do we find that? Who says that in, in, in the Torah it only relates to Asperatius Bara Elohim? So it says creation is a product and a consequence of the name of Elohim. Oh, there's another pasuk. We say it in Shabbos Davini. Yahalalu Hashem Hashem. It's a pasuk in Tehillim, which some. I'll tell you which some it is here. No, we say it actually not just Shabbos. We say it every day. In Psalm Kuf Memches. Yahalalu Hashem Hashem, second to the last, or third to the last psalm in Tehillim. Psukah de Zimra every day. Hallelujah. Yahalalu Hashem Hashem, we should praise the name of God. Kihut Siva, because he commanded Vinivro'u and, 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 and everything was created. So we're emphasizing the, the name Havaya, the Tetragrammaton. Not only that, we're emphasizing the name. It's not just Yahalalu Havaya, Yahalalu Hashem Havaya. We're emphasizing the idea that this is the name, which name of God, the name of Havaya. And what are we saying? Why should we praise Him? Because He's responsible for all of creation and all of existence. Kihut Siva, because He commanded Vinivro and all, and all comes into existence. Or actually, Vinivro and all was created. So we see specifically that Havaya is also present and responsible for creation. We also see it, he doesn't say this in the Mimer, so I'm not exactly sure, but I think it's related. After creation is told to us in Chumash, in the conclusion of it, it says, So after creation, it does attribute creation 
also to the name of Avaya. On the day Hashem Elohim made Eretz V'Shemayim, mentioning the name Yud Vavke as well. That there is some kind of a partnership taking place between Havaya and Elohim. So in Tanya and Shara Yichud Ve'amunah, he gives a long explanation on the on the um, um, partnership on the partnership of these two two names of God coming together to create the world. That the two names work in unison, name Avaya and the name of Elohim. But he says something very interesting there in time. I'm not going to go into this whole deep, um, deep uh, discussion right now. But he says over there as follows: that had God not used the name of Elohim in creation, and then God would have only used the name of Havaya Yudkevavke in creation, there would have been creations. That means creations, which means stuff. Stuff, substances, creations would have been created. But they would not experience themselves as realities, as something. Rather, they would experience themselves as nothing other than the will of God and they would be totally nullified to God like the rays of the sun are nullified in the sun. It's like they would be existing in their source. And in that sense, they would be utterly egoless and they would live in a constant, just total, total expression of their maker instead of themselves. In other words, something would be there and it was to create a something you don't need the name of Elohim. Something would be there, but that something would be lost and, 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 and um, so overwhelmingly aware that it has no existence other than the will of its maker to exist. And that would be its essential, essential natural state of consciousness, would be just its maker. And obviously in a world like that, there wouldn't be free choice. A world, now, a world like that would be a truer world because that's the truth. We have no existence even for a split second other than the will of our Creator willing us and making us and, 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 and speaking us and thinking us into existence, however God is creating us. So that's, that, that's the truth. So we, we would have been living in, 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 a, in, a truer, in a truer, not in a blurry, confused state. We would, we, we would be conscious. In other words, we might say we would be truly in touch with reality with what's truly happening. But that would not, be the, would not serve the purpose because then God wouldn't have any pleasure of us serving Him because we would be Him in the sense that we wouldn't have a self. So for that reason, Hashem does not leave the creation in the state of Havaya, but He joins to the name of Havaya, the name of Elohim, and He creates the creation Let's put it this way for today's for today's class in a two prong on a two prong um, uh, process. Um, first, their very existence is produced by Havaya, and then they are further cast 
into beingness, which means to feel themselves and, and, and know themselves and the process of God hiding, the creative power hiding from them is through the second name, the name of Elohim. And when that happens, we end up with creations that take themselves very seriously, feel themselves very strongly. And God is something we need to figure out, something we could come to an understanding of, recognition of, acknowledge, but yet we're living with a certain autonomousness, certain independence. The platform of our consciousness is self. The underlying consciousness itself. And now we fill ourselves with divine consciousness through prayer, through meditation, through study, through mitzvah, through coming into contact with tzaddikim and the like. That's how we're through revelation, through miracles. That's how we fill ourselves with godly consciousness. But our underlying reality is self. And that's why obviously there can be those who deny God completely. Um, but had God not created us through the name of Elohim and only created us through Havaya, then we could be creations exactly like we are, but with a whole complete, our reality would be a different reality. Our entire existence would be testimony, both to ourselves and to whoever looks at us, would be a testi testimony to the power of God. We would scream every moment with every fiber of our being, God is God. And, and how can I express you? And there wouldn't even be that question because there's no I, it would just be naturally, naturally flowing that we're here to express and reveal our Creator. These are the, this is the idea. Now, going back to the place of the Beis Amigdash. In all of creation, these two levels, Hava, there is the, the deeper level of existence where we exist from Havaya, and then there is the more external outer layer of existence where we experience ourselves and where we know ourselves and we come into our consciousness, and that is from Elohim. And the Elohim camouflages, conceals, and blocks the Havaya from revealing itself. And therefore, Time and space and selfhood is very rigid. In the temple, in the Beis Amigdash, the place of the Beis Amigdash, especially the, the place of the Holy of Holies, the covering of, of the name of Elohim was not opaque. Elohim, it's not that there was no Elohim there, because if it would not, as we said earlier, when God created the world, He created all of time and space through the name of Elohim, including the Makkah Hamigdash, because as we're soon going to see, although from the name of Havaya we could be created beings, but when we are created from Havaya, the time and space of our existence, although time and space exist, they don't exist with the limitations of time and space. We'll soon get to that, what that means. The, since the 
the Beis Amigdash was a room with, with physical um, um, features of, of both time and space, means that it was the, the, the power of Elohim was impacting was creating the, the infrastructure, was creating the, the, uh, the, the construct to provide for ordinary time and space. But although, that, although time and space was, put, was, 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 was set even in the place of the Beis HaMikdash, it wasn't blocking the name of Havaya which transcends the limitations of time and space, and therefore time, it's, or, or let's talk about space, that was the main revelation, that we, and, and as much as the Beis HaMikdash, that space itself exhibited beyond space. That space and spacelessness converged because the Beis HaMikdash was the place of yichud, of the unity, Havaya and Elohim. The yichud of Avayin Elohim means that Elohim, which is meant to be a cover on Havaya, is still covering, but not obscuring. Instead, it's revealing. So I, 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 if we can maybe put it something like this. You know, you have one entity, and you have another entity that's meant to be a... A, 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 uh, an outer an outer an outer container but sometimes the container and the thing that's put inside are not aligned perfectly and when they're not aligned perfectly so the container is not acting as an expressor of what's inside but rather as a concealment of what is of what's inside if they're perfectly aligned like if your fingers, if you put your fingers into gloves and you put it on the wrong hand, let's say, so your thumb, which is over here, but you put your right hand onto your left hand, so it's not really, it's just a block on your hand. It's a concealment on your hand. But if you put the right glove in, then it's actually an expressor of your hand. So the name of Elohim, as it was in the Beis Amigdush, was fully expressive of the transcendental entity of Yudke Vavke of beyond time and space. In the rest of the world it was it is it is misaligned intentionally. Obviously when Mashiach will come it from the base Amigdash's alignment it will bring about an alignment in all of existence. And Elohim will be fully expressive of Avaya and therefore all of time and all of space will will reveal the spacelessness and the timelessness. But it's all coming from and rooted in, in the Beis HaMikdash. So that's what Yaakov is saying, that this space itself, and I will understand why he's attributed to the space. The space is different space. Yes, it's space that's created by Shem Elohim, by the name of Elohim, which the space of Elohim is a concealment on God. That's, that's usual. But over here, since over here Elohim is not, is not opaque, over here Elohim is not a, 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 a block, a, a obscurity 
of Avaya, concealment of Avaya. But quite on the contrary, Elohim is allowing Avaya to show. And here, let's take it to the, to the real depth over here. What I mean to say when I say that Elohim, again, it's not me saying, I'm just giving over what the Mimer says. So I'm saying nothing of my own over here. So when Elohim is, is expressing of Avaya, it's not because Avaya is dominating Elohim and, and, and pushing through the concealment and showing itself despite the block, Havaya is coming through. In other words, despite the limitations of time and space, God that's beyond time and space is pushing through and he's beating it and, 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 and overpowering it and therefore it's not blocking. That, that's, that, that's exactly what would have been in the first temple. Had the first temple stood eternally, for eternity, it would have been something like that. That Havaya is pushing through in this place and making itself be felt. And that's why usually b structures are subject to wear and tear and to time and space. This structure will last because God lasts, not because the building itself lasts. Not because time, because space itself is, 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 is not subject to the limitations of space and to the limitations of time. Because some, some higher power of God is, imbuing, is present and making it happen. No, 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 that's not what we're saying. What we're saying is that the space over here, which is coming from Elohim, over here Elohim is not contradicting Havaya. Not because Havaya is breaking it and overwhelming it, but Elohim and Havaya are not contradictory in this place. Over here they're married together. They complement each other. It's a whole different story. So this is a whole redefinition of time and space. But obviously that needs to be understood. If the whole idea of Elohim, of the power of Elohim, is to create and to bring about a world separated from its source, Experiencing it's itself separated from its source and therefore fixed and defined by absolute definitions, which later translate to the laws of nature, including the fixed laws of, time, of physics of time and space. If that's what the whole identity of the name Elohim is all about, if, if not that, then why, then why do we need Elohim? We don't need it. We need Elohim exactly to create that. So how are we saying that that it itself is allowing, despite the fact that it is creating time and space as a defined entity, it's still facilitating and expressing powers and, and truths that's beyond time and space. And it itself is a vehicle and, 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 and an instrument to reveal that. Which means the time and space elements of it are not rigid and not stuck. But how are they not stuck? If the whole definition of Elohim is to stuck it, <laughs> is to limit and to define. Now you can answer that this is an absolute contradiction. This is to, to be rigid and non-rigid at the same time. 
to be and not to be. Yes and no. And that, as I mentioned earlier, the answer could be, like it, like it is explained in some places, is that it's unexplainable. That's, that's why it's God being there. And God can do two opposites that contradict the mind at the same time. To God, this entity can be short and tall at the same time. It's both. It's absolutely short and absolutely tall. It can be absolutely hot and absolutely cold. How? It doesn't make any sense. He created the rules of logic, and therefore he's not subject to logic. And therefore he transcends those very rules that he creates, and he doesn't have to play by the rules. And that's one of the reasons why we can't explore God really intellectually. In essence, we could, because God chose and said, I want you to explore me intellectually, that's why I gave you a mind, and I gave you a logic. But in essence, we could not even think that we have a grasp on God through logic because he's the creator of logic and therefore he's not subject to logic so you can't even begin to use logic to explore a being who's, not, who's, who's outside of these rules completely he, he subjected you to these rules but not himself so what are, you, what are you exploring? so we can answer that but that's not the answer we're going to give over here what we give over here is an answer in which could explain how this contradiction is not really a contradiction And that is related to that is related to the understanding that is related to the understanding of the first of all we have to examine this that we touched upon before the difference between creation as it is from Yudke Vavke, from the Tetragrammaton, and the creation as it is from the name Elohim. What is the root of the difference? Why is it that it, what is it about the manner in which God creates? What's the real teichen? What's the real um, content of why when God creates through Elohim, do we result in a world that's so stiff? and self-absorbed and why when God creates through the his name of Yudke Vavke do we does it result in a world that is so fluid that is so soft so to speak so so attached so connected so so refined so true why is that so I just made a decision. My decision I made it today is that being that these are such fundamental concepts, I shouldn't try to cram it into just this class. Let's do it in three classes. So yesterday we did part one, today's part two, we'll, we'll finish with a part three. And I'm, Shem help. I should do it tomorrow, although tomorrow night I have usually another class. We'll do it a little earlier. Sometime today, whenever you'll see a YouTube pop up and if you don't catch it, and, and, and or on Facebook and you want to listen to it it will be there so even if you're not catching it live so uh, again but I do want to finish this idea and then we'll leave the because the, there's a lot of deep concepts and it's building one on top of the other 
So but what I do want to talk about today is the fundamental understanding of what's the difference of a creation from Havaya and the creation from Elohim. And why is it that time and space as we know it can only come from Elohim, is a consequence of Elohim, and not from Yudke Vavke. And let's take that a little further. As I mentioned earlier, being that Shemavaya can also create a creation, which means a distinct entity that's not God, that's being powered by God, but it's not God. It has no existence other than God creating it, but it's still a creation. That's why it says, Nivro means he, he commanded and, he, and things were created. There's a world, there's an entity that's created. We actually could be created and we are created from Havaya as well on a higher, deeper level of existence, which is not revealed to us. And as a result of us being created as distinct entities, we actually have time and space as well in the world of Havaya as well. That is the reason why Havaya indicates time and space in the fact that the sages tell us that the meaning of the Yudke Vavke, what it really means is past, present, and future. But all of them in one. So obviously you're talking about time. If we're outside of time completely, what do you mean past, present, and future? There's no past, there's no present, no future. That's all time, that's time concepts. Where there is no time, there is no past, there's no future, there's no now, there, that whole thing doesn't exist. If in Havaya we're saying, not simply we're saying it about God, that He was, is, and will be. But what that really means is that the creations that are he is, is, is outside of time completely. You can't even say that. But in as much as he, the word Havai is also from the word Mahave. He, he brings existence into existence. He's being everything into beingness. And, and, and over there we say past, present, and future. That the, the, that the creations resulting from Havaya have do exist in time. Because they're creations. And if they have time, they have space. But it's a different kind of time and space. It's where past, present, and future are completely joined together. And that would apply space as well. Here and there are totally one. There is here and there. There is up and there is down. There is north, east, south, and west. But north, east, south, and up and down are all, are all one. And time is all one. But from the name of Elohim, time and space is created in the way that, that, that every moment of time is locked in, in this moment and doesn't merge with the earlier moment. What's now is now, what was is was. It's not, it, it's, this is, if, it, if, if it's then, then it's not now. If it's now, it's not then. In space also. If this, if this is a, a, um, a square foot in the, east, in the east side, 
it's not a square foot in the west side. And if that's in, a, in the west side, then it's on the west side, it's not on the east side. If that's downtown, then it's downtown. If that building is downtown, it's downtown and it's not uptown. But not in the timelessness. I'm sorry, but from Shema Vaya, there is time and there is space. But it's here and there as one. It's in north and south as one. All of space they don't clash. North doesn't clash with south. North and south are both one. Here and there are together. That doesn't make any sense to us. Why is that? And what does that mean? So the idea is as follows. Um, when, it, when we speak of creation from the two names of God, we find that when it comes to the name Havaya, it says, Ya'alu Hashem Hashem, let us praise the name of God, Kihutsiva, because He commanded Vinivra'u and they were created. It's speaking of an occurrence that's happening as if it's happening on its own. He commanded and it happened. In the story of Cre and the Torah is very precise and very perfect. An infinite meaning in every word. When it says in the beginning, in the story of creation, it says, Bereshis bara Elohim, in the beginning Elohim created, it uses the word bara, which means engaged, involved, proactive. In the beginning, bara Elohim, Elohim created. So bara means an active, engaged activity. He's involved. And herein lies the difference. The method in which Hashem is Obviously, the names of God are, are different expressions of Him. As He's expressing Himself in creation through Havaya is in one way. As He is expressing Himself and therefore His creative energy in the name of Elohim is in a different manner. And the means of expression is the, mean, is the means in, in, in the resultant product. What is going to come out is going to be completely different. And what's the difference? When you, the difference is in the relationship between the, 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 the product and, uh, the, the, in this case, the creation and the creator. What's their relationship? If Hashem is creating without effort, which means it's as if it's happening on its own, it results, interesting idea, it results in a creation that in essence is much closer to the one that's created. If the creation, however, is being created through the involvement and the investment of the creative force to create, it results in a creation that is more distant and farther. Now, we would think for a moment that it's the opposite. If you're engaged and involved in creating me, it means that you're coming close to me. 
you, you're taking your time. You're, you're, you're taking time out of your schedule to, to get busy with me. That means that I, I'm important. I'm, so you're getting involved with me. That means there's a, that's already establishing a closeness. If it's already establishing a closeness, then, 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 then I'm close to you. But if I'm such a nobody, you're not even involved in creating me, somehow by mistake, or I don't mean by mistake, but without any thoughtfulness, without any involvement, so to speak, you dropped some energy out, and it leaked, so to speak, and I happen to accidentally have been created from it. That's almost like what it sounds like. It happened somehow. Oh my, it popped up on the radar. It created from his energy, but like without any thoughtfulness, without any investment, without any purposefulness. It just, it just happened. So that would mean a, a, a creation that's distant and removed. That's what it would seem like. But if you dig deeper, it's the opposite. That a creation that he's involved in, what that means is, what is the getting involved in? Getting involved in means God is saying, I'm stepping away from me to you. The mere fact that I am stepping away from me means I am ending me to make you. If I am ending me, now that doesn't mean in a literal sense that God is ending himself, but I'm, I'm, I'm now shutting me down. It's not about me now, it's about you. So I'm, I'm, I'm moving away from me to you. So the you that's being created is the you that exists in completely in your world. It's about you and your, and your reality, your space. So I'm not there. So therefore the consequence is, you're going to be you. You're truly going to be you. But if I never stepped away from being me, I am just being me in a sense. Talk about God. God is being himself. Never stepped out of his godly, transcendental, infinite, whatever God does. I don't know. God does shiduchim. That's what it says. But whatever it is, Hashem is not stepping away from his, from his, from his infinite self. And from... In that transcendental way, he obviously nothing happens without his will. He wills a creation without any effort. Without him, what does that mean? That what is being created is in a sense a continuation of him. That's why he didn't have to um, get involved, meaning he didn't have to do an effort, meaning he doesn't have to step him away from who he is to make that. See the difference. So I told you yesterday that I, I, I was able to download this, this book that gave me uh, explanation. So he used to give a very, a very nice example just to illustrate this. You know, you have a teacher who wants to teach a student how to daven. Teacher wants to teach a student how to daven. So there is two ways the teacher can teach a student how to daven, how to pray. One way is that the teacher spends time with the student. Now, no kid wants to pray. Who kids wants to pray? Kids are, <laughs> kids are free-spirited. They want to they, they, they be all over. They want to run in the backyard on the seesaw, on the swing. They want candies. They want, I don't know, they, they, they're, they're full of energy. They're full of life. They're not half dead. They didn't die yet. Life has not in any way suppressed their life. Their kids are alive. Every moment of life is, is, is a moment to live. So to take a kid and put him in front of a sitter, and to, makes a lot of work. So obviously you have to explain to the kid the importance of davening. So on a very low level, you know how it is with kids when they're beginning to learn how to daven, you give them candy. You give them, I don't know, a prize. You, you give them a prize. I used to be a fourth grade teacher to little kids, you know. 
I used to daven with them. Oh, I remember. By the way, it's one thing I miss. These kids. It was like a bolshem. <laughs> it was like the, the living like I have a bolshem center then, but it was like good to live like in the bolshem world with the, with the little children. Ah, oh, it was, was just magnificent. The davening was awesome. These kids would sing the the, the principals, the school. They would all come to watch at the window because the, the, the daven was sweet, like sweet. I used to create new songs for them every day, and it, it was great. They were so involved in it, and obviously, but I had to motivate them, and I motivated them with, uh, okay, obviously, as the year progressed, tell them stories about davening this and that, put that, that inspiration, you know, with a bunch, what I say, you got 22 kids in the classroom, fourth graders, they were full of, they, they just, the inspiration works a day or two, it's not gonna focus them for the whole year, you gotta give them more immediate gratification. So we used to have a whole system, I used to stamp them and walk around and give them stamps, and then they turn into stamps, and then you would earn, earn certain status and status. So there's two things. First, you want to give them recognition that you're a this and you're a that and you're a that. And along with that, there had to be some prizes as well. And then some kids needed an instant gratification. Without that, it wouldn't either work. So you know, you got different levels. That's on a very low level, obviously. If you're dealing with a more mature student, you know, yeshiva bachar already, he's 14, 15, so then you're going to explain to him what davening is on a deeper level. Let him understand the words and appreciate what it means to connect to God and so on and so forth. In all these levels, the teacher is occupied with davening. And that's one way. Another way with teaching the student, another way is where the teacher is not teaching a student how to daven. The teacher is a real godly human being. And the teacher davens. And he spends five hours davening shacharis. And when the teacher is davening, he's so lost in his davening and he's singing the sweetest songs. And he's so deeply involved and engrossed and the students listen to that sweetness and they see a human being in bliss and ecstasy. They see a human being climbing the ladders of spirituality. They experience the energy that's there and they don't see that anywhere in any other experience in life. There's something like a beyond. And they're taken by it. The teacher didn't do one thing to teach the student how to pray. The student is learning how to pray. In the second case, the teacher never stepped away from their world to teach the student. It's, an, it's, a, it's a consequence, a natural consequence of their davening, the student is davening. In the lower case, the teacher is engaged, involved, paying attention to the student and getting the student to daven. And even on a high level, where the teacher is teaching him the deep meanings of davening, deep meaning davening, He's engaged and involved, but there's a big difference. In the case of engagement and involvement, the student's prayer is always going to be the student's prayer. On what level is the student going to play? Is going to pray on the level of in the world what is what is significant in the world of the student. Whether it's candy, whether it's a prize, whether it's recognition, or whether it's an understanding of God, but on the level of the student. Because the teacher moved away from their world to enter the world of the student and whichever level the student can relate to. In the other case, the student is hearing the ecstasy of the teacher. And when the student is davening, obviously they're not on the same level of the teacher, but it's off the inspiration and thereby close to the sweetness of what the teacher was experiencing. That's their inspiration. So it's on a much, 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 much higher level. So we take that concept and apply it to two levels of God creating the world. 
On the level of Havaya, God is not stepping out of his realm of Havaya. He's being himself. He's a omnipotent God. Shouldn't an omnipotent God throw around a couple of universes? It's part of his omnipotence. Create some. What's the definition of these universes? Not a universe. What's the definition of all these billions of creations and angels and whatever not? What's the definition of them? His omnipotence. The definition of their existence is his omnipotence. It's his power, not them. It was never about them to begin with. In the artist's mind, it was never about that artistic piece. It was about self-expression. So it was always about him. So the creations are also filled with him. And therefore they know him very well. And that's their, that's their underlying consciousness because that's who they really are, is just a, 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 a product of, of his omnipotence. When God, however, created the world through the name of Elohim, he said, let me create a world. He stepped away from himself, that's the idea of tzimtzum, blocks himself, contracts himself, makes space for something else to exist and allows our world with all giving significance and importance to us and to our reality. Then what becomes our existence? What's our natural feeling? Us, because it was us. Okay, that too has a godly purpose. But still, the, the experience over here is the creation. And we can understand how the creation as a result of that becomes a far more, a far more what we might call serious creation. Seriousness, meaning we take, the world takes itself very seriously. Because God gave it a seriousness by, by giving it the attention of it being a something. Okay, so this is the general idea. Here's a creation that's just an expression of him, and here's a creation that's... And now we can also understand how this can be multi-universes, multi because this can be two stages in our existence. Of stage one of our existence where we're nothing other than, but we're not unconscious of that because we're not living in the level of Havaya. We're living after the second stage of existence where God pushed us out, so to speak, out of himself to occupy our own space. So we have free choice, as we spoke earlier. Now, how about time and space? Can time and space be already um, can we find it? Can it be detected in the existence of Havaya and the creations of Havaya? Or not? So as we said earlier, when, when the Pasuk says, Yahalu um, Hashem Hashem, praise the name of God, because he commanded Vinivra'u, and they were created, it says creations. That means, notwithstanding the fact that God did not, never stepped away from himself, never ended himself, and so to speak, this product is kind of an, a, 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 a continuous flow of his existence, but yet it says creation. Creation means something new that's not him. 
once something new that's not him is created, what does that mean? Something with limitations and boundaries. And if it's limitations and boundaries, it can have the limitations of time and space. On God, there can't be time and space. But on once we're dealing with distinct beings that he's creating, in other words, what we're really saying is like this. The quality of what's coming out when, when Hashem is projecting without stepping away of himself, because he's omnipotent and infinite, these creations that are being created don't have to be, like part of it is that he can create things that are so other than him, and that, that itself is, is, the, is, 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 his, is his omnipotence. If it can only self-express, if it can only be him, then it, again, he's being himself, in the sense that he's expressing himself. What is he expressing? His omnipotence, his abilities, and his ability is to create. To create what? To create something. So when we say that they are testimony to him, means one thing. Doesn't mean that their quality of who they are or what they are are him. No, they're infinitely far, uh, uh, distinct from him. He is a non-defined non-descriptive, infinite, simple entity that has no definitions, no limitations, no boundaries. He's God, and they are creations. The only, the only idea that was... So in that sense, they're not close to Him. They're as far as possible that can be. A creation and a creator have absolutely zero... zero there's, there's nothing to equate. No, 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 no comparison at all. The relationship is only in their experience, meaning their consciousness, is that they are only about the expression of them, their definition. Who are they? Nothing other than to, 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 to reveal His omnipotence. What am I all about? God's omnipotence. That He can create something very different than Him. So their consciousness is Him, not their, their very existence. And therefore, they could have time and space. No problem. So time and space is already existent in that world as well. However, here's the secret. Since the definition of each being on that level is not them, but, the, but, 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 but who are they? They're the creative life force of what's creating them. So then the identity of every, of every being over there is not them, but the singular source that's creating, the omnipotent being that's creating. And because of that, they do not contradict each other. Which means that if I'm a space, if a, if a unit of, 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 of space right, is created, uh, you say it's, 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 it's south, If I am me because I am me, and you are you, that's a song in Avram Fried. If I am me because I am me, and you are you because you are you, but that's the definition of, of who I am and you are, then, 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 then I'm not you and you're not me, and we contradict each other. So therefore, from the name, let's, let's work the other way. Before, before we complete the thought on Havaya, let's go back to Elohim. When Elohim creates, the, the, the meaning of every existence as it's coming from the name of Elohim is, it's, is what it is, is its definitions. It's, 
its identity. So if, 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 if I'm creating something uh, 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 that's, 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 that's in the South, its identity is that it's the Southern, it's on the South. And it, and, and, and it has the characteristics of the South. Right? It has a Southern accent. It does not have the ca characteristics of the North. It contradicts the North. Because the North has complete other ca characteristics. And North and South uh, uh, contradict each other. Every being occupies that the space is rigid in its own space. It will not allow any other space into its space. And therefore, hence the rigidity of space. You're there, and this is there. And, the, and, and what's there is there, and here is here. And north is north, south is now, east, west. All the different directions are fixed in their place. But if the, on the deepest level, and on the most thorough level of, of, of consciousness and of awareness, who am I? What am I? Nothing other than the creator that's creating me. And who are you? The nothing other than is creating you. Then I am you and you are me. And I, all this is all one because we don't contradict each other. Because what are we at our essence? Only the, the infinite source that's creating us. That's not defined by anything. So, the, every, so every unit of space is completely one with every other unit of space. Because they're made up of the same stuff. And that is the creator that's creating it. And that's what's felt in them. So they don't clash with each other. And that's the meaning that's from Havaya, Hoya, There is time. But it's Hoya, They're all one. But from the name of Elohim, it's a different story. Everything gets... In other words, the name of Elohim solidifies everything, ferments everything, stiffens everything, and, 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 and makes everything rigid and, as we said before, stuck in, its, in being what it is. What happened in the Beis HaMikdash? Going back. The Beis HaMikdash was a convergence of the name of Elohim and on the name of Avaya. even on the outer crust of existence, which is the physical world as we experience it. And you went into a room, you took a walk, you went towards Jerusalem. In Jerusalem, you went towards the Temple Mount. In Temple Mount, you walked towards the top of the Temple Mount. You went east, I'm sorry, you went west. The entrance to the Temple was on the east. So you went west, and you went, uh, you weren't allowed to go, but the Kohen Gadol, the high priest, went, and then he finally ended up in a room at a certain location, which is, which is there, not anywhere else. Yet once he came into that room, he experienced in space of Elohim, spacelessness. Where there is no space. Where the space of the Aaron doesn't occupy space because it's not excluding any other space from its space. It is space. Like we said before, that every moment, every place of space, every unit is contradicting the other unit because I am me, it's the ego. I am and you're, and my space is contradicting your space. So now we can understand the logic of it. But when, 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 when we're dealing with, you have, but when, in, if in the Makam Amigdash, in the, in the Kodesh HaKadoshim, there is a revelation of Havaya, a deeper consciousness, a higher level, which is affecting the very, very physical, the very domain, the very inanimate, is 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 existing on an Havaya plane on that level of existence. 
then the two and a half cubits of the Aron don't preclude, the, 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 the other, don't clash with the other space. So both space can be together, so it's not occupying space. But it's still, but we still didn't answer, and this is where we're going to go to tomorrow. Is this explains to us that in this space we're not experiencing space as it is in the name of Elohim, we're experiencing Havaya. That's what it really means. That everywhere else Elohim dominates. Over here there is a space of Elohim. But overpowering Elohim is the revelation of Avaya. And that's why it's dominating that that it's not going to follow the properties of Elohim. It's going to follow the properties of Havaya. The properties of the name of Elohim is to set every, 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 every ama, every foot or every cubit to be rigid in its, to feel itself and therefore contradict the other. Over here those rules won't apply. So what does that mean? That means that over here, Elohim kind of is silenced because Havaya is controlling. But that's not what we said before. We said that space itself is, is agreeing to it. And, and when we say space, I mean space of the name of Elohim. The space itself of the name of Elohim, which is rigid, is conforming, not just forming, joining and inviting and part of the spacelessness of Havaya. So how does that work? For that, we have to come to the third point, which we'll discuss in the next class. And that is the depth of the meaning of Havaya and Elohim are perfectly one. Ki Havaya hu Elohim. That Havaya and Elohim are really, as you say, two sides of one coin. It's the same God revealing himself in two different ways and how the two are one. And in that sense, we're going to see that time itself, which is a time and space, as we experience it, which is a, a consequence of Elohim, is really timeless and really spaceless because it and Havaya are perfectly one. And that's the base of Megdash. Havaya and Elohim joined together. And we're going to see how the ultimate, we're going to go through three different, or two or three different interpretations of how Avaya Lekim are one. And we're going to re- and, and, and show how the third temple was the ha- is going to be the fullest expression of Avaya Lekim um, uh, perfectly one, which means that, that the world itself and its time and space feature is, with, is from within itself um, both fixed time and space and yet a host and an expressor for what's beyond time and space uh, and um, and that's why we need the third base Amigdash, not the first temple and the second temple so for this please join me tomorrow again I don't have the time yet but sometime during the day tomorrow probably in the afternoon we're going to finish this last uh, part. Meanwhile, as I mentioned yesterday, let us already be in the Beis Amikdash Hashlishi, and we don't 
and, and avoid the need for much talk, but let's just see it with our own eyes.